You're listening to Radio Influence. The world's heavyweight champion, The Crusher! You're listening to Crush Performance with The Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. All right, everybody, welcome to Crush Performance. Jeff Grishel here, the con man behind the glass, keeping us on track, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, listen, if you want to get in touch with us, questions, comments, smart remarks, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush. I know I don't tweet a lot, but when I do, it's probably something that we think is valuable and might be valuable to you if you're looking for the cutting-edge information and tapping into your potential and improving your performance. And on social media, you can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and also on Facebook. Search out CrushPerformance.com. So listen, a really big show today, a very important show. And I think that it's very timely as we're well into the fall sporting season. Uh, Maybe one of my favorite times of the year, Con Man. I know we say this all the time, virtually at the start and end of every season. But there's something special about the fall sporting season as... Major League Baseball postseason picture starts taking shape, and it is an incredible year in baseball. There will be a lot to talk about there as we head into October. But maybe more importantly, uh, football and hockey are well underway. The NFL, college football, high school football, um, they're all on the field competing right now. And most NHL camps are open and in the developmental ranks, tryouts, leagues, and uh, the start of the season is, is well underway. So today, I wanted to get into a very important conversation on head injuries and concussions and brain injury. And we're going to talk with our good friend, crush favorite, Dr. Martin Morazic, clinical neuropsychologist from the U of A. He's done a lot of very important work in this area. Uh, He's been on the show a number of times and uh, we just can't uh, uh, get enough of this conversation because it's changing rapidly. And that's going to be one of the main focuses of this discussion with Dr. Morazic. How much has changed even in the last five years, not just in terms of how we're assessing the injuries, but how we're dealing with them, how we're helping athletes return to play, get healthy again. And um, there's been dramatic changes here I want to talk about. I also want to dive into the idea of where we're at in our understanding of the long-term effects. We all know about CTE and the research continues there, but we'll ask Dr. Morazic about where we're at truly in our understanding of the long-term impacts. It's changed, I believe, with, with what we now know about brain injuries and how we're dealing with them. And what is the player acceptance? You know, um, many of the pro teams have had their, their, their camps and their physicals already. The NHL is just going through that. NFL has gone through that already. And more and more players just seem to accept this idea of brain injuries, screening, baseline, and they all understand the importance of it as they move forward in their careers. Uh, I think we've done a great job there, so we'll talk about that. And I also want to get down to the experts at United Sport and Cycle because on the technology side, you know, if we look at truly where 
we're going to influence performance, not just in terms of helping athletes perform better, but also in helping them stay healthy and safe. Technology is really changing the landscape. What can we look for or what should you be looking for in terms of helmet technology? Because it's changed dramatically. And Connor, you know, we look at what's going on in the NFL with uh, some of the helmet talk and Antonio Brown. And I think it stems back to this idea of the helmet and the NFL not giving in to his request to wear the old technology. Yeah, I mean, and it's just not worth it anymore to to take the risk. And the NFL, I mean, they can say as much as they want that football's family and they care about the safety of their players, which I think to a certain extent is true. But they're facing all these lawsuits now. They cannot afford to have their players go out there in equipment that isn't going to keep them safe. And that's why they're forcing this. That's why they wouldn't let it happen. Yeah. If, I, if it was anything other than money, I think they might be like, okay, well, you know, sign a waiver and we'll be good to go. But this is such an issue for them. All the money they're forking out to the former players that, you know, maybe should have known that there will be long-term effects of football, but, you know, legally they did not know. And, yeah, I think that the NFL just can't afford to risk it anymore. They have to, you know, stick with their guns, go with this stuff that's going to keep their players as safe as possible so down the road they can say, hey, we made you guys wear the safest equipment we could find. Are we legally obligated to pay you out? Probably not. I, I think that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I think there's a lot of that in there. There's gray areas here for sure. But I guess at the end of the day, we now have the NFL funding and pushing uh, research in concussion, um, in the area of concussion, head injuries and return to play. We also have uh, the helmet companies in all the major sports really pushing the envelope to look for uh, strategies and technologies that will help keep athletes safer on the field, both in hockey and in football, one of the big advents and big changes I think we've seen over the years is the uh, management of our athletes in terms of contacts. And our, for our football guys, that is, of course, looking at the restriction of full um, equipment practices and the number of contacts in practice, because we know that's where a lot of the damage is, even if they're sub, you know, sort of lower impact um, uh, sub-threshold impacts for, for head injuries. They're all happening in practice for the, for the most part. So limiting that has been a big change. In hockey, of course, the ban on body checking was a massive move. And Connor, a lot of pushback originally, but I think this is now just sort of an accepted part of young development, uh, young athlete development and player safety. Yeah, and I mean, I, I get a chance to go down to Eskimos practice a lot and you talk with the players in camp about you know the, the days that they are actually allowed to hit. And then going to the summer, where you don't hit anymore. And, and, and people start to talk about all the missed tackles in football. And, and is there a, a direct correlation between those two? And that's what I wonder about. And, you know, not only taking a hit or giving a hit, but receiving a hit. I think you have to have your body trained for that, ready for that impact. And it's for me, I mean, what's the sweet spot there where, you know, you're keeping these athletes safe in practice and then the flip side still, you know, not taking away from their ability to play the game and, and play it in a safe manner. I love what they're doing at the younger levels. I, I think that that's an important place where you have to limit the contact and practice and take it away from it. But then I, I worry on the professional level, where does it affect the gameplay as well? Yeah, interesting. And that'll be a conversation we get into with Dr. Morazic today as well. Uh, and that leads us to our text question of the day. Do you like the changes we've seen in sport in relationship to uh, head injuries and concussions um, in terms of how, how we're now managing our athletes, a ban of body checking up to Bantam in hockey, um, in us, us soccer, they are no longer allowing heading of the ball up to the age of 11. They want to push that to age of 13. And I do believe other soccer associations around the world will take that on as well as a mandate. And of course, in football, as Connor mentioned, um, limiting impacts 
in the way we train our athletes in practice? Are we, are we, are we going down the right road? Let us know what you think. Uh, do you like the changes you're seeing in sport? Has it worked for you? Have you had a good experience? Or do you think we should be looking at other angles? Well, it's going to be an important conversation today. Let's get out for a quick break because I want to get as much time as possible with Dr. Morazic. When we come back, we'll be asking him all of these questions and we'll be looking at the science, where we're at. There's been some incredible changes in how we're helping our athletes return to play and recover from head injuries. Stick around, everybody. That's coming up right after this. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Jeff Cruschel here, the con man. Reach out to us. Questions, comments, smart remarks. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. Well, today, a very important conversation as the football season is underway. Hockey season's right around the corner. And I wanted to get into an important conversation about where we're at in terms of understanding, managing, and helping athletes recover from head injuries. And nobody better to join us today than Crush Favorite, clinical neuropsychologist from the U of A, Dr. Martin Morazic. Dr. Morazic, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, great to be on uh, with you again, Jeff. Well, hey, I hate to steal you on a Saturday. I know it's, uh, it's a, a, a day of rest for many, but uh, we're going to tap into uh, all the work you've been doing here over the last couple of years. Let me start with this, Dr. Morazic. Uh, our question of the day, everybody, 10-12-60 is the uh, text line. Um, are you happy with what's been going on and what we've done in terms of maybe uh, altering and, and managing sport in terms of practices and the way we're handling our athletes, the ban and body checking, U.S. soccer, uh, eliminating heading uh, up to the ages of 11. Are you pretty happy with where we're at right now in terms of sport and how sport is reacting to the knowledge we now have in, in terms of head injuries? Yeah, I, I, I am. And I think that there's been some, some pretty good progress. And, uh, you know, years ago when I think you and I were first chatting, Jeff, there was these questions about changing the culture of sport. And, you know, my, my view, and again, I've been very fortunate to work at all levels, uh, but we really see that things like baseline testing, post-injury concussion testing are now standard medical protocols. And I think players at all levels are saying, well, yeah, we, we understand and, and that we have to do this. And what I like, uh, and something that you've emphasized, is that the, the conversations are not just about, uh, you know, concussions and brain injury, but it's really about how to improve, uh, you know, brain performance. And so even though the initial, you know, focus was just, well, we have to eliminate the bad stuff, I think it has evolved into some really positive conversations about, well, not just, you know, injuries, but how do, how do we improve brain performance, uh, the cognitive functioning of athletes so they can really advance and not just worry about injuries. So those have been some really positive trends. Yeah, and I really like that as well. And, you know, from our early uh, conversations in terms of head injuries, where we're at and understanding it and trying to dig a little deeper, I've always been fascinated by brain performance. And I think from my perspective, a lot of um, my uh, avenue into into that world came through uh, an understanding or better understanding of sport vision, reaction times for our high-performance athletes, not just to help them perform better, as you say, but also in order to help them react better and and keep themselves safe on on the field of play and it has been fascinating to see how far how, how far we've come in the last 5 years in terms of our understanding and it's really interesting even more so to see how this world and research around uh, concussions has led to exactly what you'd mentioned uh, this new world of performance but the changes we've seen uh, are incredible even in the last 5 years yeah, and, and uh, you know, so in 2000, 
and uh, eight are, are consensus statements had suggested uh, that after after concussion, we talked about cognitive rest and avoiding all screens and, uh, you know, really getting back to a zero-level symptom report, and that has shifted considerably. And uh, so some of the ongoing research that I've been uh, very fortunate to be a part of is, has looked at that and the question about rest and how much rest do you need. And, uh, you know, some of the, the really uh, international studies that have uh, involved this have shown that, uh, you know, there is this period of time that we, we do want athletes to step away, um, but we, we don't want to go into this whole avoid all, uh, all activity. And so the new uh, guidelines are really going to reflect that coming up this uh, year in uh, 2020. And specifically, it's going to be that, yeah, we want symptoms to decrease. And so we want athletes to step away from things for a short time. But then we want to get them uh, get them active. We want them to to actually do structured uh, activities that are going to help uh, not only them recover from their injury, but also help them in the future. And that's been a dramatic shift that we've seen in the last years from saying do nothing to okay, after a couple of days, we're actually going to get uh, get you active. It is a big change. I still remember the dark rooms and shutting athletes down yeah. for days and weeks and even months. And I think it's still happening today a little too much. But I think, as you mentioned, as, as this new awareness comes around to this active recovery, um, we're going to get more and more people understanding that you need to be active under the guidance of a doctor, of course, because this is a process. There's, there's, this is one thing about the, the brain injuries. Um, it's not as clear cut as some of the other you know injuries might be, shoulders, elbows, knees. Um, but, but there's a process here, and I think our understanding has come a long ways. We're talking with Dr. Martin Morazic, clinical neuropsychologist at the U of A. Um, Dr. Morazic, so many different uh, areas you could have gotten into in your career with uh, your, your uh, educational background. How did you wind up focusing in on this area of study? Because it's very important for number one, but the things we've learned also have been fascinating. How did you wind up here? I started out as a as a school psychologist, so uh, I, I actually taught and, and then was a, a school psychologist for a couple of years. And I was just always interested in you know the way the brain works and the way the the, the mind works. And then I was very fortunate when I went back and specialized uh, to do my PhD. Right at that time, the whole uh, beginnings of sports neuropsychology was starting. And it's an interesting story because there was a guy by the name of Jeff Barth at uh, University of Virginia, and the head coach came to him and said, Coach, you need to help me here. I know you're a brain guy. Uh, we're having a lot of our football players who can't remember the plays, and I, I don't know what's going on. And so he started collecting a little bit of data on this, these concussed players and found that things like reaction times and their ability to do memory tasks was, was, was poor. Uh, uh, compared to other athletes, and so uh, right at the uh, in the mid '90s when I went back to schooling, uh, this was these questions were just starting to emerge, and I was very fortunate to be at a, an elite school in Georgia, and they were very interested to to think about this whole issue of concussions, uh, and that's uh, how I started my dissertation. I had to do all these paper and pencil testing on hundreds of athletes. It took a lot of time. Now we have sophisticated computer programs and so on, um, but uh, that's that's some of the early beginnings. I really like it, and I think that's a, an inter- interesting story and to see where it's not just where you've come from, but you've actually grown with this whole um, 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 knowledge base that we now have, and it's fascinating. As you mentioned, now we're into active recovery for concussions, you know, based on symptoms. It's very, very uh, um, interesting to see that happening along with all the other changes in sports. Like, for example, you know, 
Uh, we are no longer doing static stretching prior to competition or training. It's a dynamic warm-up. We're moving away from using ice, sort of a cornerstone in athletics. I'm really, really interested to see how this uh, active recovery is going to come around uh, at the lower levels where you know the athletes might not have access to the athletic trainers and, and doctors as readily as the pro guys, um, but it's a re- very, very important shift. Let me ask you this, Dr. Morazic, in terms of the recovery and what we're seeing now with the active recovery, uh, I know a lot of athletes are concerned about the long-term um, issues and, and implications of, of brain injury. Has the way we're now identifying, managing, and helping athletes return to play maybe changed the long-term outlook for athletes? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And I mean, the debate around CTE, right? Um, however, uh, you know, the scientific community has is, is, is strongly said, look, we, we can't come to this conclusion. Um, but I, I think what's probably the, one of the best things that has happened in the last 20 years is that we realize by, by taking out athletes as soon as they're symptomatic, there's, there's definitely very strong research to say that, that uh, athletes that don't come out uh, are just at more risk for longer recoveries and for, for more problematic outcomes. So just this whole piece about early identification, educating athletes about, uh, you know, looking and recognizing the signs and symptoms of concussions has been really important for that. And we have seen, uh, you know, a, a gradual decline in the, in, in the concussion incidence rates at, at all levels of sport, which I think uh, is a testament to, to that commitment. What we haven't seen, Jeff, yet is really the, the impact of how to really incorporate what you, uh, you know, talk a lot about, which is the whole brain health, the brain fitness. Uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there, uh, but some of it just hasn't gone through the scientific scrutiny that we need. And and so we're really you know part of the active rehab uh, project was to really identify what is what is the best bang for your buck, what is going to be most helpful, not just to recover from concussions, but what's going to help athletes stay uh, away from the injury, stay away from concussions. So that part of the research is ongoing and uh, just takes time to uh, to really collect that data. Yeah, it certainly does take time. I'm loving this trend, and I'm really really excited about what's going to happen here over the next few years. Uh, Dr. Morazic, you were part of the studies that looked at the ban and body checking in minor hockey, I think up to the Bantam ages, and we saw the pushback there, strong pushback, and now it seems to be much more accepted accepted. We're also seeing the banning of heading in soccer, U.S. soccer banned heading up to the age 11. They wanted to go to the age of 13. I think this is going to be common practice around the globe as we learn more and more. But isn't it interesting how we make these changes based on our knowledge? Uh, there's a massive pushback and then it's accepted. You mentioned it earlier that even the pro players in the uh, um, uh, team physicals and the training camps have a better understanding and now are accepting. I mean, a baseline uh, test, for example, is just sort of, hey, that's what you do now. Yeah, and, and you know, understanding that, that, you know, the science really has to guide this, and I know that there's all these individual exceptions. So, uh, you, you know, in terms of banning, uh, hitting and so on, does that mean that, that you know, the uh, behaviors are going to change or shift elsewhere and the concerns that, that came with, you know, the initial uh, outcomes after banning head hits, that there was an increase in, in other injuries. So, you know, sport behavior is, is, is very complex, but, you know, systematically as the research continues to, continues to grow, uh, you know, there there seems to be this developmental time frame uh, when, you know, blows to the head, uh, just the neck musculature not being mature enough, all these things 
things that as a whole, not just for, not for every individual, but as a whole, it's just better that some things are avoided uh, where other things can be developed at, at a later age. And so I think that's, you know, just having seen that research grow, it's been, it's been very helpful to see that, that we have results to back all that. Yeah, we're talking with Dr. Martin Morazic from the University of Alberta. Well, it's interesting because the studies continue. And I think, uh, you know, as we learn a little bit here and there, it, it pushes us in the direction of further investigation. And that's kind of happening right now. I am really intrigued. I just maybe talk about this for a couple of minutes. I'm really intrigued by the idea of improving brain performance. And some of the work is being done in the Alzheimer's dementia area, uh, but a lot of it is certainly coming back uh, from the from the head injuries return to play. But regardless of an injury, I think what we're doing now and where we're going to be heading here in the near, near future is sort of a long-term approach, like our long-term athlete development program for brain function. And I'm really excited how this is going to impact um, um, the future of human performance because I do believe that the biggest area that has the greatest potential for pushing human performance forward is the mind. And we're just at the cusp of that, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it was very interesting uh, to uh, to listen to Bianca Andreescu, who the Canadian girl that uh, won the tennis championships, and and her comment afterwards was, you know, at this level, there's you know the physical differences are not that big. It really comes down to the mental. And uh, when I heard that in her interview, it was just it was a very interesting reminder that here a ni- uh, young 19 year old was was commenting on on that component of it, and you know, obviously making sure that we really understand how to how to guide athletes. There's a lot of stuff out there as you. Well, know that some of it is interesting, but does it actually improve performance or does it help? And uh, we're we're very fortunate uh, to be uh, Carolyn Emery's uh, lead investigator of an NFL-funded study, nine cities across Canada. We're going to be collecting data on hundreds, thousands of of uh, young uh, high school players, looking at their activity levels and looking at their incidence of concussions. We're going to be drawing blood and doing uh, brain imaging, uh, brain imaging, just to understand the evolution of concussions. But uh, again, the focus focus of that is not just reducing injuries, but also looking at what helps, what makes athletes better and stronger. Yeah. Do they have a hypothesis here? Are they, are they um, sort of uh, pretty clear on what they're expecting to find and what they're going to plan to do with this information? I'm fascinated by this one. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's multiple components to it. One of them is just you know the ultimate goal is is to reduce uh, injury and and concussions, uh, but the other is just looking at the protective factors. And you know, one of that current hypothesis is that there seems to be a certain amount of exercise and activity that young adolescents need in order to uh, to maintain healthy brains, healthy minds, uh, and so on. And so we're really one of one of our goals here is to really understand the activity patterns on youth, uh, whether some you know, if you're not as active, if that that affects you uh, in, in terms of your, the long the time it takes to recover, uh, and then also whether it's a protective factor. Uh, you know, some interesting studies about psychosocial protective factors. So, sports seems to be a buffer uh, to you know longer term anxiety disorders and, and depressive disorders. And so, obviously, being able to track people over time is going to allow us to really provide more insight into that. Oh boy, I'd love to be part of this. I'm very interested to see uh, if there would be a core relation between technology use in today's youth, uh, their sleep patterns, and also, do you have a hypothesis, I'm going to throw this at you right now, on the impact of e-gaming and e-sport, the, the number of hours the kids are playing now uh, on, their, on their phones, iPads, and computers playing games. I wonder if that's going to be a help or a hinder, because I see some of these games I play, I can guarantee my brain's lit up like a Christmas tree just trying to figure these things out. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and I think uh, you know the question in technology is definitely overuse is is not a good thing. Um, but what is what is kind of the best zone? And some of the activities have have shown uh, some of the you know technology and, and the gaming uh, can be helpful and can add and it's very engaging, uh, especially we're trending into the the 3D reality. Um, uh, uh, technology, which I think could really push the limits here. So we're going to create virtual environments for athletes, not only to recover from head injuries, uh, but also to do uh, other things in terms of improving balance and improving uh, their, their mental skills. Uh, so the, the, the whole 3D world is really going to be interesting in the next few years. Uh, it certainly is. Well, uh, a couple minutes left here, Dr. Morazic. So I uh, really appreciate your time today. Great conversation, especially as the football and hockey seasons get underway. But it all comes back Back to the basics for all of our listeners, listeners out there, our moms, our dads, the athletes, the coaches, um, fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. And I guess that all starts with recognizing and understanding the symptoms of a brain injury right off the bat. Yeah, you know, um, Jeff, it's, it's, it's interesting how there's some things that just continue to recycle. And I think, as I said at the start, we've made some real headways with educating athletes but, you know, I can tell you just uh, being involved clinically, we still have a number of young athletes that said, you know what, I knew something was not right at, uh, anyway, but I tried to play through it. And, you know, the reality is that concussions um, are unique, but they also, there's a lot of symptoms that overlap. So, you know, cognitive difficulties, not sleeping well, being irritable. Sometimes that can be related to concussion and sometimes it's not. And that's why we really encourage parents to, to really you know, put that message forward to say we, we don't want to take chances because I, you know, I can show you and as we've talked about many times that you, you know, the, the research is very unequivocal. When you pull yourself out and you take the steps initially, you may miss a bit of game time, but you will not miss as much game time as you would if you don't remove yourself. And so the, the, there's a lot of great information from Parachute Canada that really educates parents and coaches and athletes about the symptoms to look for, what to do, and how to, and the steps that you should take. Ah, oh, great stuff, Dr. Morazic. Well, really appreciate this conversation today. Um, I look forward to maybe following up and seeing where we're at in those studies as uh, the new year approaches, if that sounds great. Absolutely. Perfect. Appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay, everybody, we've got to cut out for a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to look at some of the new technology that's available in terms of helmets from our uh, good friends, the experts down at United Sport and Cycle. Uh, what can you get your hands on and how can you help your athletes stay safe? That's coming up. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at CrushPerformance.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Jeff Crushell here, the con man. This is Crush Performance, helping you staying on the uh, cutting edge. I'm a little sick today, and it's uh, you know a shame that we finally get some nice weather here, and uh, you're a little under the weather, but that's the way it goes, you know. I think you just got to stick to the fundamentals: sleep well, eat well, hydrate well. It just seems to be a common theme, even for performance. But just coming off a fantastic conversation with Dr. Martin Morazic, clinical neuropsychologist uh, from the U of A, talking about where we're at in our understanding of head injuries and concussions. And it has changed so much over the last few years um, that it's almost um, hard to keep up with. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation today as the football season and hockey season gets underway. There's been some big changes that have happened inside of sport uh, because of what we now know. Again, the ban on body checking up to bantam ages in minor hockey. The the, um, banning of heading in soccer. U.S. Soccer Association has banned heading up to ages of 11. They don't teach it and they're... Uh, not doing it in games for a good reason. And then, of course, in football, 
how we manage players in practice, the number of contacts, the full pad practice, two-a-days are almost non-existent anymore. Athlete management is critical. But on the other side of it all, there is a whole industry that's booming around all of this research in the name of helping our athletes stay safe. And that's the technology industry. And the helmet companies and equipment companies have done a really good job of adapting and trying to keep up with the research and what we know, but coming up with solutions. Because it's one thing to identify a problem. It's another thing to solve a problem. So I wanted to get down to the experts at United Sport and Cycle to check in and see what's new in helmet technology. What can we get our hands on to help our athletes and ourselves stay safe in sport? And I caught up with Chris Goodison from United Sport and Cycle. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, a very timely conversation. Just getting off of a fantastic talk with Dr. Morazic about the uh, uh, issues in player health, especially when it comes to brain injury. But the big, I think, takeaway here is how far technology has come in terms of helping us keep our athletes safe. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Right through all of the hockey equipment technology has taken leaps and bounds in the last five or six years. But helmets is one of those pieces of equipment where it's really, we've really seen an increase. We see more advanced foams, uh, multi-density foams that have the ability to protect and take impacts from all directions, right? Yeah, and not only that, they're fitting better. Like some of the fitting options now in right. the helmets are incredible. Like I remember back in the day, I, I remember this vividly, going down to the local hardware store in my small town that I grew up in and buying my first helmet. I can't, I think it was, I want to say Cooper or CCM or something. And right. You actually had to add in those, those extra sticky foam pads to make it fit right. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. I remember in terms of fitting. We're at a I whole mean, other level now. Totally. Yeah. The adjustment in these now, you can not only front to back, but also width wise, there's adjustability because I mean, it's not so much the most expensive helmet that's going to protect you the best. It's the helmet that fits you the best that's going to protect you. Well, and that's an important factor. What exactly right. is a proper fitting helmet? And that's why we encourage everybody who's playing the game at every <laughs> single level to go down and get their equipment checked out to see if it's safe and up to, you know, up to snuff in terms of helping you not only perform at, a, at the highest level possible, but also keeping you safe, but also to make sure that the integrity is there. Because, uh, you know, I see right. some of my buddies are still wear, wearing 20-year-old helmets. Yeah, no, we, we, we're more than open to having customers bring in their, their helmets and any of their old gear. And if they have questions about them, aren't sure if they fit correctly, bring them in and we can check them out for you for sure. Yeah, Chris, so if we go back and look at the timeline here, this is something yeah. that's been evolving over the last 10, 15 years. And a lot of it comes out of medical research because we're really starting to understand the consequences of brain injury, especially in the contact sports. So right. we've seen we've seen the helmet and equipment companies react, I think, very, very well in the big picture to the research and the knowledge base we have now, and they're continuing to adapt. But looking at what's happened in terms of helmet technology, in terms of player safety and injury prevention over the last 10 years has been incredible. It really has. I mean, it all started with that uh, um, that Virginia Tech study really brought a lot of attention to the general public. And and I mean, not all of it was correct, but it definitely was a positive in the helmet world in terms of, you know, the manufacturers are now paying more attention to um, how they're making these things. Well, you know, when we look at the, that type of research influencing the technology development inside of sport, 
not just in hockey, in football as well, in virtually every sport where there's contact. Right. Um, it's interesting to see that uh, they're they're tying it in not only with the safety side but the performance side as well. And you know, we go back and look at at helmets and the technology that's involved. We could talk about the MIPS technology. We look at now yeah. the how the the helmets are structured in terms of the liners and and. Um, um, the crash zones that we're seeing. Maybe talk about some of the advents you've seen here over the last little while that have really, really made an impact in terms of improving player uh, safety. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, helmets are, with the new foams, the, the, the better foams that are being used, they're, they, they are able to protect from all angles. Um, right where before in the past, you know, 15, 20 years ago, hockey helmets were designed to protect against uh, head-on and behind the head impacts, right? Um, studies have shown that impacts to the side of the head can be just as damaging, if not more damaging to the brain than the head-on collision. So, uh, you know, with technology, they've taken some uh, ideas from the construction world where helmets now, some helmets will float on your head when, when you get that, that impact, you get that hit, the helmet takes more of the impact before the brain does, so... Yeah, and that's all great stuff. We're talking with Chris Goodison from United Sport and Cycle, um, talking about the uh, new technology that's pushing forward the world of athlete health and safety, especially when it comes to helmets, Chris. In football, we're seeing the same things, and we're having issues right now in the NFL with Antonio Brown, and I think right. this is just sort of a reflection of uh, the industry now recognizing how important it is to have the right technology in place. Absolutely, and I mean, along with the right technology is also the right fit. Um, we get, we get asked a lot in the store, uh, you know, show me the concussion proof helmet. Well, unfortunately there isn't such a thing and I don't think there ever will be a thing. Um, but the helmet that again is going to protect you the best is the one that fits you the best. Right. And that doesn't just go for helmets. We see a lot of talk about cages and eye protectors as well, right? This is as important as getting your helmet fitting properly. Totally. Yeah. We see, I mean, a lot of times it'll be, okay, I've got a medium helmet, so I need a medium cage. That's not necessarily the case. The cage, we fit the cage to the player's face, not to the helmet. So a small cage will fit on a medium helmet, a small cage will fit on a large helmet, uh, and vice versa. So we really pay attention to the way the cage fits as well, because it all acts as one, right? Right. And that's sound advice because, you know, I've got caught up in this as well, especially as a kid, you know, when I'm spending my, started spending my own money on equipment, I would get things maybe just a little oversized. So I would grow into them. Probably not the best approach, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I was the same way. Um, No, definitely not the best approach. And I mean, we see it too with teenagers. I was a teenager once. I wore the cage. They call, they, they use the term, they float the cage, right? So that's where the chin cup is, you know, a couple inches off the chin. And that's, I mean, if you get a hard shot to the face, your jaw is going to be taking the impact, not the helmet. Yeah, and that's a dangerous proposition right there. One of the right. one of the uh, sort of um, interesting developments I've seen is the, I guess. Um, um, development of a rating system, kind of like a crash test rating system for helmets. Yeah. And I love this because I remember talking with some concussion researchers 10 years ago about this exact topic. Isn't there a way where we could let people know um, how safe a helmet actually scores on, on a certain parameter of tests? And now we have that kind of a rating. We have a star rating for helmets. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great, um, you know, just making people aware. And, uh, you know, five is the, the highest rating, a five-star helmet. So each of the manufacturers has one of those. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, what they focus on is the technology, the fit. Uh, in the past, to get a five-star helmet, 
uh, it almost looked like a football helmet, and they've really been able to uh, dial in uh, the foams and the technology that they use to get it to that five-star rating. Yeah, and let's face it, let you know we have this issue in baseball with the uh, protective head headgear for the pitchers. They're not wearing it one because it's clunky, it's big, and it doesn't really function that well. But also, let's right. just face it, it doesn't look that good either. These giant yeah. big ball caps. So you know the aesthetics of this stuff is very very important. But the helmet companies have gone above and beyond in this. The these helmets now are looking like something out of a cool hipster video game, man. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty neat to see. I mean, there's some helmets that even have pieces that you uh, you put in the skate oven, heat up, put it back into the helmet, put it on the individual's head, and it actually, as it cools, it forms to the head. It's it's like a custom fit right in the store. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And also, yeah. um, I like how some of these adjustable helmets are really allowing teams to get a consistent look across the board as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason we have mirrors in the helmet section in the, in the store there. It looks a big thing, right? You don't want to... You don't want to look like a bobblehead. It's all about looking good, man. It's all about looking good. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. Hey, so as the hockey season and football season gets underway, Chris Goodison, uh, maybe just some last words of advice for parents or athletes who might be in the market for a new helmet. Yeah. um, Again, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, the myth is out there that there are concussion-proof helmets. There aren't. There's no such thing. But the helmet that fits the individual the best will protect that individual the best. Um, the cages, making sure that they fit correctly, too. That's just as important as the helmet. And then mouth guards, right? The last uh, couple years, there's, there hasn't been as much talk about mouth guards being as important um, with helping with concussions, and they still are. I mean, uh, not only concussions, but just protecting the teeth. Yeah, and very important. And we've seen actually the um, impact of mouth guards, not just on safety, but also in terms of performance. A lot of cutting-edge research looking at uh, the alignment of the jaw, injury prevention, but also increasing performance. So a lot of implications there. Absolutely, yeah. Great stuff, Chris. Hey, listen, really appreciate you. And I guess my last note here would be um, anybody who's around a sports store, certainly in the Edmonton, Central Alberta area, hey, get your equipment in to the – experts at United Sport and Cycle, uh, 7620 Gateway Boulevard and the community store in the West End on 108th and 170th Street. Chris, you guys will check it out, make sure it's safe, and make recommendations if there's some replacements needed. You bet we will. Great stuff, Chris. Hey, man, appreciate you guys and everything you do for the community and sport, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Jeff. All right, great conversation right there. And, Connor, you know, the technology, we've always talked about this on the show the two areas that are really going to push human performance forward, it's going to be technology and not just in terms of the technology uh, that's improving our equipment, our sticks, our baseballs, gloves, running shoes, and clothing. It's the technology that's allowing us to train and care for and monitor our athletes. And then understanding the mind, two very important conversations. But this is a classic example of how technology is helping us help our athletes. Yeah, and I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you, you keep these athletes healthy. They're able to stay on the field longer. You develop better as well. So, uh, and of course, keeping these young athletes healthy, it, it goes a long way, and absolutely. We can, we can honestly say that the number one reason athletes do not reach their potential is because of injury. It's the number one reason. And we know after two injuries, the dropout rates or the non-return rates to sport are dramatically higher now than they were even in the past. And I think that's because there's a lot of other options for kids and who wants to be hurt, right? I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah. I mean, just coaching soccer like I have for a few years now, I've had a few kids that have had to quit just due to leg injuries, uh, you know, 
torn ACLs, sidelining kids for up to a year, over a year in some cases, concussions. It's just if you can avoid those and find ways to, you know, especially with the concussions and the science that we've learned to prevent them and, and the reoccurring ones, it goes a long way. Yeah, it sure, certainly does. And it goes back to what Dr. Morazic was saying earlier about how all this data on injury prevention and understanding the injuries has also opened the door to our understanding of how to improve brain performance. And now we're seeing the combination of the concussion research and the research from Alzheimer's and dementia, all this brain research coming together, and we're using it to help our athletes not just perform better, but stay safe. It's an incredible marriage of science and sport, and I like how it goes. Let me ask you this, Connor. Have you ever done a baseline, uh, concussion baseline, or do you do anything like that with your players? Uh, I have not actually done anything like that. I've obviously heard about it a lot working with you, but not myself and with the players. Uh, no, we actually don't do anything like that. Yeah, it's tough to do because it does take time. You kind of have to know what you're doing, but but there's a lot of programs out there, and I like the idea of doing this. I'd like to see this as part of like the uh, school phys ed programs uh, where we have every child you know, pretty much in a classroom at some point and in a phys- physical education class. You could either take them into the computer lab or even just give them a written. There's, there's many versions of a baseline that you can use. But even for their sports, extra, extracurricular sports, we could now have a baseline that we could go back to to see where that young athlete might be in their return to play or post-concussion uh, management. And I think it's really important. But I thought it was also really interesting from Dr. Morazic to hear how he's seeing the acceptance at the professional levels. And I can see this now in the NFL, certainly in Major League Baseball um, and in the NHL because training camps and physicals just went underway. But now it's just sort of uh, an accepted part of the process, getting a baseline and, and doing a concussion uh, test. Do you worry about professional athletes lowering their level? I know Peyton Manning had said famously that he will act a little bit dumber in his, just in case he does get something, you know, head injury, something goes wrong in the game, he can, you know, play it off like he's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a serious problem with some of these professional athletes. Yeah, it certainly does. I think, though, we're getting beyond that. And I agree. That's still probably happening. No question about it. And we talk to our athletes open about this. It's a conversation, right? And and we have to have this conversation but that's that's actually happening right now. And all we can do in that regard is just educate the players on the importance of getting this done. Because in the long run, they will return faster. And the risk of, of having a recurring injury or a second injury because you're not fully recovered from the first drops dramatically. And that's a strong, strong message to send. And when athletes start understanding that, I think you get a lot more buy-in. Well, yeah, I would hope so. And I think the players have to, you know, realize this is for their safety. Absolutely. You know, you, you can get a concussion, you can go back out there and do a lot more damage when you already have one. You don't want that. And it's going to keep you a long term. I mean, once the doctors see you on the side went over away from the field, I think that's where they're going to be able to diagnose it a lot easier. So you might as well play it straight and follow the professional's advice. They say you're out, you're out. Yep, absolutely. Well, fantastic uh, conversation today. I want to thank Dr. Martin Morazic for joining us and the guys down at United Sport and Cycle. Talking technology, the helmet technology is fantastic, very affordable. And I really love the idea of this sort of crash test rating that we have now for helmets. I've been waiting for this uh, for many, many years. I think the big uh, push was or the big holdup was just finding a credible way to um, evaluate and then uh, uh, score that the helmets on their safety rating. But the fact that now you can go out and ask if that helmet has a two, 
three, four, or five-star rating, just like you would with a car and a crash test rating. Um, this is fantastic. There's still a ways to go there, but at least we're at the start of a very cool era in, in ranking the, uh, I guess, safety capabilities of our equipment, Connor. Yeah, I mean, it might be ground level, it might be the start, but it is something, and that's that's something that definitely, I think, you know, the professionals might not need to hear, but if you're a parent to a young kid, you that's what you need to hear. You need to hear these simple things. Yeah, well, talking to Chris and the guys down there, one of the things that the companies are really being cognizant of is the fitting. So you can have a similar helmet that will fit virtually every player on your team now, so you can have consistency in the ranks. And I guarantee teams are now looking for the highest rated helmets available for the, for their athletes. So I think we're on the cusp of another breakthrough in technology and player health here. So great stuff today. All right. Hey, everybody, coming up in the next few weeks, a big show next week. We're going to talk with Dr. Joe Baker from York University. We're going to look at talent ID. We're terrible at it. We're dismal. And could talent ID at younger levels be damaging the development of young athletes. We're going to talk about that in specialization. And in the upcoming weeks, we'll be talking nutrition. We'll be talking to the performance nutrition director for the Oakland Raiders about uh, performance nutrition. And we're also going to be talking CBD oil and brain training coming up on Crush Performance. So stick around. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you next week right here. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.